pray. Amen. Amen. Take a seat. Uh, good morning, everybody. As uh, Gary said, my name's Ian. I'm the, uh, uh, one of the ministers here uh, at Billericay. So it's good to welcome you. It's been a good service, hasn't it, so far? <laughs> and now I've got up. I've got a few closing thoughts uh, to share with you. Uh, back in uh, sort of late part of 1994 and early 1995, there was a young man I knew. He's leading his life. It was a pretty good one. Uh, good career, going well. Life was all good. Uh, but increasingly, it felt like it had no purpose, that something or maybe someone was missing, that there was a void, a gap that couldn't be filled. Uh, he looked uh, at his life. He saw his hard work. He'd earned everything that he had, and so that was good. He looked at his toil, uh, really dedicated himself to his life, so that was good as well. He looked at his uh, possessions. Um, uh, that was good as well, but he still felt there was a gap. There was another man that lived uh, many, many years before then, uh, and it was, these words were written around 935 BC, a man called King Solomon. And he said, what does a man gain from all his labour? And he's worked really hard. And then he, then he looked, he went, he thought, maybe if I get wisdom, maybe I'll get real wisdom, then I'll be fulfilled. So he really sought and studied and everything else. Nothing wrong with that. But he thought that would provide all the answers. And it didn't. Then he thought, well, maybe I need lots of pleasure. I need to go out and explore every avenue of life that sat before me. But he found that that was meaningless as well. And then he said, okay, let me do some great projects, build lots of things. Maybe I'll get my self-worth from that as well. And he ended up with the conclusion that there was still this gaping hole. And unless that hole was filled, he said life was meaningless. He had all these things which weren't bad in themselves, but without God, they were meaningless. And he said um, at the end of a book called Ecclesiastes in the Bible, I'll read the message translation. He said, but regarding anything beyond this, dear friend, go easy. There is no end to the publishing of books and constant study wears you out. Some of you will know that, won't you? I know it's uh, uh, big years for you. I'm not saying don't study uh, at all. Um, But uh, he said, um, constant study wears you out so you're no good for anything else. And the last and final word is this. And this is what he said. He said, fear God. He's saying, know God and do what he tells you. Just know God. If God is real, which I know is a big question for some of us, then, then we want to know him. It's the most important thing or person in the world. So back to our more recent man in the uh, mid, mid-90s. He didn't know much about God. Uh, he thought, well, maybe he's a bit of a fairy tale, a nice thing or person to lean on. He didn't learn much about him at school. Uh, he never went to church to learn about him, that's for sure. And he didn't have any Christian friends. Life went on, he got married. The church minister suggested that he find out more about this person that he was going to say these promises to in a church building. And uh, he thought, that's fair enough, that makes logical sense. So he went on a course, a Christian course. Um, He got married and he carried on. On that course uh, that he went on, he found, as he found out more, that the evidence was overwhelming. That actually the head knowledge you can fill your head with, there's, there's loads of proof for the existence of God and that Christ, Jesus Christ, walked this earth just around 2,000 years ago. No scholar uh, denies that Jesus existed. And he wanted to find out more and more. And he found that the evidence was overwhelming about the person and work of a man called Jesus Christ. And the message to him was life-changing. And once he saw the evidence, once he'd weighed it up, he took a step of faith. Some people say you have to take a, a leap of faith, like it's from here to the other side of the platform. But it wasn't really. Once he discovered it for himself, he just stepped and said, I choose to believe. I choose to believe. And then everything happened. He asked God to come into his life and change him and give him purpose 
All those things that he'd had were still good, but they didn't give him real purpose. He said sorry for some of the bad things he'd done and promised to try and change, and God helps him do that as well. And it's been a roller coaster ride for him ever since. He went to work and realised he'd changed from the inside out, that the Bible wasn't just a rule book, that it was a way of life. Something was different. We heard the story of the Good Samaritan, didn't we? Uh, you know, when the uh, uh, Domino's pizza man fell over outside Costa Coffee and someone helped them. He found he had a concern for others that he never had before. He felt it was like he'd been living in black and white and now there was colour, as if someone had plugged the aerial in. Uh, as a few of us here can remember black and white TVs, I can only just uh, remember our one. <laughs> he could see the world was lost without God. And I look at the state of the world. I look at the state of the world and I think we're trying to do it in our own strength and it's not really working. Uh, the world's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Um, and uh, if the, I believe if the Christian church wasn't there, it'd be even worse than this. And it's because, I think, we're trying to treat uh, symptoms. If you go to any doctor, if you go to a doctor and you constantly have headaches, and they constantly give you cocodamol or paracetamol without trying to get to the root of the problem, uh, then you'll take painkillers the rest of your life. Your painkillers in life with the possessions and the money and the chasing the dream and everything else, nothing really wrong with that, but it won't solve the problem. And any good doctor will say, well, okay, let's find out why the headaches are going on. And I think the way we find out what's going on in the world is to search for God, get to the root of the problem. The root of the problem is, is that people don't know him and we don't see hearts changed. Psalm 46 that Gary uh, said right at the beginning, God is our strength and our refuge. We sang it in the very first song. It's a reliance on God that sees the Christian through difficult times. It says we won't give way to fear in our lives. You've seen Christians, you see on the news at the moment, some of them dying for their faith. And they don't give way because they've got a higher belief in Christ. We're saying God is our lighthouse. You can see a lighthouse for miles, can't you? And the lighthouse, the light searches for the ships all the time. And it says in our rest and our doubts, in my failures, he doesn't walk out on us. God is searching all the time. He gives us peace in troubled seas. The Bible talks about a peace that surpasses understanding. I've come across Christians going through some difficult times in their lives, and it is amazing. They don't want the difficult times, um, but they can really get through them with the strength they hold on to. And he leads us through the storms. And it's basically saying God is in control. Of course, bad things happen. But if, he, if he's with you, and he is if you want him to be, and ultimately it means I can be with him forever, beyond this life, which is only really a journey for a short time in eternity, uh, then that's got to be the most important thing. But of course, you're sitting there thinking, if you're not a Christian, well, that's good enough for you to say him, but maybe there isn't a God. In which case, everything you're saying is meaningless. Is there really a God? Well, I've I've got about three minutes left, so I can't prove everything. But what I can say, um, I spoke earlier about the evidence. No, Jesus existed. He walked on this earth. No scholar uh, denies that. They may disagree that he was who he said he was. But there's never been a body found. And if you wanted to disprove Christianity, that's all you need to do. And 2,000 years later, they're still searching. The body didn't exist. So we know that everybody believed he existed, We know that he changed the course of history. I'm trying to think what would have to happen now for us to start our calendar. Something massive must have happened at that time. They've never found the body, and they can't, because the resurrection is true. Historians at that time speak about him. Roman historians, Jewish historians speak about him. Our calendar starts. I mean, it's amazing. And Christians today bear witness to a relationship with Christ. Even this week, they're talking about archaeology. Um, people tried to disprove the people groups in the Bible and the places that were mentioned because they said there was no record of them. And the last 30 years has seen an explosion in archaeological discovery uh, proving uh, these things, that the, what the Bible said 
were, were true. Creation. I look around and I see creation, the trees, the birds, the human beings. You know, nobody can give an answer to how life started. They may have different theories about explosions or God or, or whichever way you come from, but we don't know how it started. We, what we do know, and the scientists will tell you, is you can't get life from nothing. You must have life first. So who created life? With all our intelligence that we've got, we cannot create, now hear me right on this, but from nothing, we can't create another human being. We can't create with all our intelligence. I'm not even thinking about what I'm doing with my hand. I don't want to think about it, actually. Um, it could be rude. It's not meant to be if it's appearing. But we, I can't do, I can't, we can't design something that can just do this. We can do a robot that can maybe do this. So why do we think there's no intelligence behind the universe? The Bible says in that Psalm 139 that Toby uh, read, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew us before he was formed in our mother's wombs. And when you, when you look at the complexity of every living thing, there must be a designer. There must be a creator. That doesn't happen just by chance. God said, I am who I am. When he was asked who he was, he said, I just am who I am. He's been there forever. He's here. He was here before the beginning. Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. That means the beginning and the end. Just look at creation. We sang, how great thou art. When I an awesome wonder consider the world you've made, the birds, the trees, it speaks of a creator God. We can't replicate it. And then the gospel which we sang, when I think of God his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross my burdens gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. So you've heard this morning uh, and seen various accounts of the truth of God today in people's lives. People helping each other, doing good things, thinking of others. And they're all good things, but you don't need to be a Christian to do that. People do good things all over the world and they're not Christians. That's just the outworking of what it is to be a Christian. There are many who are not Christians who do good things. What makes a Christian is those lines. When I think of God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross my burdens gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. So I can do good things, but one day I have to account for my life. And either I'm going to pay for the stuff I've done wrong, which there's lots of, or Jesus chooses to. He said, I'll go to the cross and I'll die instead of you. So you can be made perfect and, and know God, not just in the future, but now as well. The Bible always talks about repenting and believe. Repent means change your mind. Turn to God. Turn to God and believe what Christ has done on the cross. Live for him. And then I can sing at the end of that hymn, then Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation to take me home. I'm not home yet. This is not my home. Heaven is my home. What joy shall fill my heart. And then I'll worship with countless others and sing, my God, my God how great thou art. And the outworking of that, being a Christian, we just sang guardian. My hopes and fears in his hands, I trust him, I obey him. If I wander, which I do, he'll come and find me. And I want his kingdom uh, to come. The gospel uh, very much is summed up in the next hymn. We're going to sing in a second. Uh, an old hymn, which uh, for those of you who go to football matches and rugby matches, you'll know, and it's called Abide With Me. We often sing this at funerals. I take many funerals, um, but we sing this hymn quite often. I just want to run through it. Abide with me, fast falls the even tide. You know, tides ebb and flow, don't they? So whatever's going on in our life, we're saying, God, abide with me. Darkness deepens, Lord of me, abide. When other helpers foul, people we know can let us down and comforts flee. Help of the helpless, abide with me. And it goes on to talk... Um, about life in general, how we get tempted and darkness and everything else. But the best thing in the last verse, and, and this gets sung at funerals a lot, hold thou thy cross, 
before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks, earth's faint shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. The Christian can sing that. The Christian has no fear of death. I might worry a bit about the way uh, I die, but I'm not fearful of death because this is a pilgrimage that we're on and I'm trusting the cross and I'm trusting that when I face God, Jesus has paid for my wrongdoings um, and either I'm going to or he is. But let's sing this and then I'll round up at the end if the band can come back. We'll stand uh, and sing uh, Abide With Me. While this, um, while this hymn's uh, being sung, we'll take up our offering. But if you are a visitor to the church, please don't feel any need to put in. If you do, we're grateful. It goes to the work here at the church, but also numerous mission organisations uh, that we support, all details of which are on the uh, backboard. But as part of our Christian worship, we'll take up the offering. And I just wonder uh, if that's true for you, if we can really say the end when it comes, hold thy thy cross before my closing eyes, point me to the truth of God. Point me to the truth of God. King Solomon said it years ago. We can try and fill our lives with other things and it's good to have things. I'm not against things but our true meaning is only found in one person and that's Jesus Christ. Creation speaks of a designer, the evidence for Christ uh, who says he'll pay for my wrongdoings. Overwhelming. The evidence for God is overwhelming. We just don't think about it. And it's great to hear the stories of doing good and everything else. And I'd encourage you uh, to do that. You don't need to be a Christian to do good. uh, But every Christian should uh, do good. And we're not a bunch of people that get it all right. There's nothing worse. The biggest insult, I think, as a Christian is to be called self-righteous. We're not. Uh, We're only, that righteousness is only found in in Christ. We're We're not sinless saints, but we are saints that sin less, hopefully, if we're following Christ. Uh, funerals, which I've mentioned, I know it's not a nice subject, but nice words are said at the end of people's lives. And we hear many, many good stories about them and really good things. But at that moment, it's really between them and God. And when, when it's my time, my thoughts, my deeds, my actions will be laid bare and it's between me and God. And I have to ask myself, do I trust in what Christ did for me on the cross at that point or am I going to trust in myself? Either I can pay or he can. But I'm glad... And I want you to be able to sing, Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. In life and in death, O Lord, abide with me. When God said, I am who I am, Jesus, who was God, he was part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, many years later said to Jewish people in John's Gospel, the great I am's. And when he said, I am, he knew exactly what he was doing. Because when God, the Father, said in the Old Testament, I am who I am. When Jesus says, I am, he's saying, I am God. He pointed to himself and he said he's the bread of life. You know, he gives us everything really we need in life. He's the good shepherd. He leads us. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life, which means we don't have to fear death. He said, I'm the way, which gives us direction in this life. I'm the truth in a world that doesn't say a lot about truth. And he says, I'm the life. He answers all those age-old questions. The young man, not King Solomon, the young man I told you about at the beginning, that was me. And I was such a disbeliever in God. I didn't know him and I didn't want to know him. But the course I went on was called the Alpha Course. Uh, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He said that because it means literally the beginning and the end. And the Alpha Course is the beginning for many people of their Christian journey and knowing about life and life in all its fullness, which Jesus promises. Alpha means beginning. Now we've got, we run Alpha Courses here. We have one starting after Easter, mid-April. And if you'd like to know more about that, see me after the service or any of the leaders or sign up. We've got the leaflets um, in the foyer. Uh, you'll see there's a picture on there. Uh, that picture is of me. Some people say it looks like Bear Grylls, but I'm pretty sure it's me. 
Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and life to the full. With God, life isn't meaningless. It isn't meaningless. Life is for living. It has meaning and purpose. And God really is our strength and refuge. And I pray that you'll want to know him more. And just for me, because this is me sitting down there, I pray the service has been a blessing to you. I pray that you've learned a bit about God. Um, but you can learn about someone. It's very different to knowing them. And if you want to know him, then sign up for the Alpha course or speak uh, to one of the leaders. We've got two starting in April. But I'll, uh, I'll pass back to Gary. Thanks for listening.